We brought Adam up specifically today because we are beginning a series called The King and His Kingdom. And what we're going to see over the next few weeks is Jesus interact with people and help us to understand uh, what he is establishing as he establishes his kingdom here on earth. And in each interaction, he shows us a different way to see people and a different way to see life, and a different way to see the world around us because of his kingdom and how that ought to affect how we live. So today we celebrate Mother's Day. We're going to watch him interact with a mom. Uh, on your notes, Abraham Lincoln said this, the greatest lesson I've learned, the greatest lessons I've learned were at my mother's knees. And maybe you would agree with that. Maybe you would say the same thing. The greatest lessons you've learned were you know, on your mom's knees. But Uh, I'm wondering if we can acknowledge something uh, today, just kind of right out of the chute uh, here with this, that, and Jen alluded to this, that today's just not an easy day for everyone. I mean, some of us are celebrating and others of us are not. For some, you agree with Abraham Lincoln, your mom was great, but you know what? She's gone. And maybe she just, she's passed away since the last month. This is your first Mother's Day without her. Or maybe maybe she's been gone years But today, I mean, this day every year serves as a reminder to you, and you just loved her so much, and it it just hurts, especially today. Or maybe, maybe your mom was not loving. Maybe your memory, as you look back, and she was just a lot worse. It wasn't just not loving would be bad enough, but she was worse than that. And so today is a very difficult day for you as well. Or maybe you've come today. And you've, you want to be a mom. You, you've, you've tried to become a mom. And things have not worked your direction. And, uh, and you just, you can't. Um, and I just want to say I'm sorry uh, if that's you. Um, our hearts here are with yours. And so we have created a compassion room. Jen mentioned it. I wanted to say it again. I'll say it one more time at the end of the service. You can get to it from our lobby. Uh, you would just go like you're going toward the bathrooms, and, uh, and you just keep going, and, and, and there's a, the door will say compassion room. So if you, and if you want to talk to someone today, or if you want to have someone pray with you, if you want to have someone pray for you uh, today, or if you just listen, if you just want to sit in the quiet in, in that room for a bit, they're actually there right now. Uh, so this is for, there are, there's men and women in the room to, to talk with you. So this is for men and women today. Um, but if you would like, if you would like to uh, take advantage of that, I'm, listen, I'm going to offer you the opportunity uh, even right now. So I'm going to pray here in just a moment. And while I'm praying, if you would like to, you kind of want to slip out, but you don't want to make a big scene, feel free to get up while I pray uh, because we'll be praying for you. And you can slide around to that room. And uh, we've got folks who, are, who would be glad to sit with you. So why don't we, listen, why don't we take a moment, we will pray, and then we'll continue. All right? God, thank you for days like today that... That some of us, we celebrate because, man, we just, this is our moms and we just have great memories and or our, our moms uh, that, that, that were or are still alive. Um, we just have great memories. And so even, when we, even though we miss them, we, we just know that we have been loved well. And God, we pray for those, especially today, who don't have that experience, at least not from their mom, um, and how heavy their heart is today. And God, thank you for caring so much. And as Rich said a moment ago, the compassion that Jesus has for us, that you have that. 
And so, God, we pray for your surrounding them, and, and especially for those who actually would take advantage of the room that we have. Uh, and, God, for those who, ha- who, who are moms in the room today, God, thank you so much for them. And for those in the room who have wanted to be moms, God, our hearts are with them as well. We pray for today because uh, we want today to honor you. And your word says that we uh, celebrate with those who celebrate and we mourn with those who mourn. And so, God, help us to do both equally well today as we, as we look at this encounter that your son has. And, and we pray this in the powerful, uh, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so uh, today Jesus is, a, is approached by a woman who is a mom who shows us. So here's what we're looking for. What is the king looking for in moms in his kingdom? Okay, specifically, that's what we're looking at today. So Matthew 15 is where we are. If you have your Bible or smart device uh, or if you have the U version, the, the Bible app, uh, our notes are there under the events as well. So uh, let's check this out. In Matthew chapter 15, we read... This verse first, uh, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. So we're going to stop for a moment and get our bearings. If you have your Bible open or a smart device, flip back one chapter to chapter 14 because I want you to see why Jesus uh, is withdrawing. At the beginning of the chapter, what you'll see is that John the Baptist, his cousin, has been beheaded, brutally murdered by King Herod and his disciples go and take his body and bury it. And then they communicate to Jesus what has happened. So he hears this and he attempts to go to a solitary place, but crowds follow him where he's going. And he miraculously, that's when he feeds 5,000 men. Although uh, men, women and children would not have been in that count. So if women and children were present, the number would have gone through the roof. Um, but he feeds the 5,000. And then that night he crosses to the other side of the lake to be alone. But the people there recognize him. And so they begin bringing all of their sick people to him to be healed because they know what he's capable of. And then following that, the Pharisees have heard about him being there. They were the religious leaders of that day and they come and verbally attack Jesus. I mean, they just come at him with everything that they've got and Jesus takes care of them. Uh, he, when he finishes with them, he leaves to find a place of solitude. So verse 21, we've caught up now with our passage, says that when Jesus left, he went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. This is a deliberate move on his part, by the way, just so you know. Uh, it's the only occasion that we have recorded where Jesus actually moves outside of Jewish territory. There wasn't a place in Israel where Jesus could go uh, and, and, and find some privacy because the crowds always heard about him and they would move in on him. So he goes north through Galilee into this region because no Jew would follow him into Gentile territory. That's where he is now. He's in Gentile territory. As a matter of fact, when Mark, the gospel of Mark, when he tells this story, so there's four gospels. Matthew is the one we're in right now, but the next one is Mark and then Luke and John. In Mark chapter seven, when he tells this story, he lets us know that Jesus enters a house and wants to keep his presence a secret. So he's sneaking around. Jesus is sneaking around and he just needs some time alone. But what we find out happens next is that someone finds out. Verse 22 says that a Canaanite woman from this region who had evidently heard of Jesus came and cries out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon possessed. She is suffering horribly. Verse 23 says Jesus, he didn't even, can you imagine? So she's crying out. This may seem uncharacteristic to you with Jesus. He doesn't even answer her. She's got this big problem. He doesn't say anything. But evidently she kept crying out because the disciples came to him 
And they said, seriously, send her away. She keeps crying out um, after us. And some, some scholars say that this means that the disciples wanted Jesus to heal her daughter just to get rid of her, right? Just give her what she wants and get her out of here. Others say the disciples couldn't get rid of her, but they really wanted to. But whatever the bottom line was, it it was get rid of her. She's getting on our nerves, right? So um, verse 24, Jesus said, and he's speaking to his followers, listen, I have only come to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, you know what he's saying, right? I have come to the Jews. She's not. She's a Gentile. Right. So and, and just so everyone in the room is clear, I know we've addressed this before, but anyone who is not a Jew is a Gentile. All Gentiles, raise your hand. Oh, we've got some Jews here today. Either that or your arm's broken. Okay. Uh, at any rate, he's speaking to his disciples. She overhears him. Verse 25. So she comes and she kneels before him and she says, please, Lord please help me. And he says, listen, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. The children of Israel uh, were the, were the, uh, Jew, the Jews. Uh, they called the Gentiles dogs. But when they use this word dogs, they don't, what they meant were the dogs that roamed the street. They didn't have an owner. They ate the refuge and the filth. They carried the disease uh, from the street. But what's interesting is when Jesus talks He doesn't use the word that the other Jews would use. He uses the word for household puppy. Uh, And he's telling her, my mission is to the Jews. But this woman picks up on this picture that Jesus is painting in verse 27 about children and puppies. And she said, yeah, but but even... Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. So where the children are seated, you ever had this at your house? You can tell where the kids have been sitting because there's like, you know, piles underneath their chair. Uh, And you're wondering if anything made it in their mouth. Uh, And she's saying, but what falls to the floor? Even the puppies get those. So she's saying, I understand your ministry is to the Jews. Maybe you'll make an exception. In verse 28, Jesus said, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. He spoke the words and boom, her daughter was healed. Woman, you have great... Can you imagine Jesus looking into your eyes and saying that to you? You have have great faith. Your faith. Your faith. Wow, the son of God. Your faith is great. Wow. Wow. Your child is healed. Now, again, this, this text, all of these verses, primarily the point of it is that Jesus' ministry is primarily to the Jews. Don't miss that. It's the drive of the passage. I'm not trying to make it say something other than that. That's the main point. And some say that this text actually points to the future when Jesus' ministry will open to the whole world. And eventually in Matthew 28, right before he ascends into heaven, remember he tells his followers, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, go into all of the world and baptize them and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you, right? So we know that it's going to happen. But in our text, would you not say that the most significant statement is, woman, you have great faith. Wow, your request is granted. Why would he say that to her? Obviously, it has something to do with what we see in verse 27. 
But is that all Jesus saw in her? Verses 26 and 27, the crucial moment in the passage. But did Jesus see something else? See, because I think there are at least three other qualities Jesus sees in this woman that, that we know this is what the king values. When he looks at moms in the kingdom, this is what he values. And here's the first one. Uh, this mom made her child's problem her problem. So one of the things the king evidently values is this idea that moms will absorb uh, their children's problems. It's what she says in verse 22. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering, right? Uh, And I check this out. To my knowledge, it's the only time in scripture that someone said, have mercy on me. Someone else is suffering, right? Have mercy on me. She's not saying, please, Jesus, seriously, my bratty daughter is driving me nuts. Demon-possessed, you know, check her out. Look at her, right? She is demon-possessed. Please heal her. I have things I've got to do. That's not what she's saying. Ladies, this is not like when your husband isn't feeling well, and he's lying on the sofa whining, and you're praying, oh, God, I don't care if you get him well. Just get him out, right? That's not, this is not what this is. Verse 25, the woman came and knelt before Jesus, and she said, Lord, Help me. Help me. She didn't say help my daughter. She said help me. So I, listen, moms, thank you. When, when you pray to God, not just to help your children, but that he would use you to help your children. Do you see the difference? Not just that he's going to move in their life, but that he, you want him to use you to move in their life. Because when you look around the schools today, you have to wonder how many parents are even aware their kids have problems or what those problems might, might be? You know, when they're young, it's very easy. They drive you crazy until you do something about it, right? They're just on you. until. And if, you, if they can't get your attention, they will wait till you sit down and they grab your face with their hands and they'll put theirs right in front of you. And then they'll tell you again so you just can't miss it. But it's a whole other ballgame when they stop talking. And the only way that you know that something is wrong is they come home from school or work or a date And they look like they lost their best friend. And maybe they did. So moms, thank you for seeing us enough to recognize that something's going on in our life. Because some kids don't have that. Their moms don't. And listen, from our perspective, some problems aren't, from a parental perspective, we know it's, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a big deal. You broke up with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Listen, moms, thank you for not saying, really? Because you're going to date like a hundred other people before you get married. So really, it's no big deal, right? I mean, thank you for not saying that because maybe they will date a hundred other people. But today, today, this is a big deal. And thank you for treating it like it is. You know, our students have bigger struggles that parents Listen, we have to see these. We have to know our children enough to see them because we have kids today struggling with drugs and alcohol addiction and sex and stealing and lying and keeping a job, getting divorced if you have adult children. Maybe, maybe it's the relationship with Jesus. And the last thing that they need, the last thing they want is another Bible lecture. What they want, what they need is you to be present in their life. But here's the thing, it is going to cost you. And the first thing it costs you is time. I mean, can you imagine uh, students growing up in our country being so hungry for what the family is, was always meant to provide the way God designed it, was meant to provide, that they would go looking for it somewhere else? 
Let me say that another way. Is it possible the problems that we have in our country today are because our, our kids are growing up finding other places to get what the family was designed to give them but has not? George Barna, who's a Barna research group, said most kids today spend less than two hours of meaningful contact with their mothers each week. Two hours. Dads are less. 50 minutes. A week. Meaningful. I don't mean you're in the same room and you're over here doing something and they're over there. I mean, meaningful time together. And I hope that those of us who are parents in the room are thinking to ourselves, that that, that can't be true. That that number's got to be way off because I spend a lot more time than that with my children. To which I would say, we ought to. We're the church. We should be living the standards of God in front of the whole world so that they look at us and go, man, I don't know what they got, but I want some of that. And whatever it takes to make that happen, we got to do that around here. That's who we ought to be. And don't misunderstand me. I was saying that every time your child speaks your name, that you should drop everything you're doing and bow before them. <laughs> That's your kids telling you that, all right? What I'm saying it is as a father, I understand how easy it is to brush our children off. And we need to learn to fight the urgent for the important. Someone once said, if you want your children to turn out well, spend twice as much time with them and half as much money. It's going to cost us something. Here's the other thing. There's a communication cost. And I don't know if you've been finding this to be true or not. Man, communication in our day and age, it just seems to be so difficult anymore. And I think it's our busyness. Irma Bombeck uh, tells of a housekeeper she once had, and except for hiring her, she said she never saw her. (laughs) Can you imagine? She just communicated through notes back and forth. She said on the first day of the job, she wrote this note. The the person she'd hired wrote, Mrs. Bombeck, there's a dog's mess at the end of the sofa. Signed, Wilma. The next morning, she said, I had left her a note. Wilma, I know. She signed it, um, Mrs. Bombeck. The next day, Mrs. Bombeck, what do you want me to do with it? A reply was posted the next day. Wilma, you're limited on options. You can surround it with sand and use it as a putting green. Gift wrap it and amaze your friends or clean it up. I prefer the latter. Signed, Mrs. Bombeck. The next day she wrote, Mrs. Bombeck, I was going to clean up the you-know-what, but the sweeper smells funny and sounds strange and won't pick anything up. Can you fix it? Signed, Wilma. The next morning, a new note from Wilma said, hey, the sweeper looks fine. What did you do? I wrote a note the following day. Wilma, I emptied the sweeper bag. Mrs. Bombeck, several weeks passed before a new note appeared. Mrs. Bombeck, you know that little problem I told you about two weeks ago? I think I solved it. I moved the sofa over it, and you can hardly notice it now. (laughs) The next note... The, morning, or the next morning, the note was very short. Wilma, you're fired. Mrs. Bombeck. One more note did appear from Wilma the next morning. Mrs. Bombeck, there's another dog mess I didn't tell you about. It's hard to find. I'm the only one who knows where it is. Goodbye. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think that's, that's how some families communicate. And some not even that well. And I know there's frustration on both sides of this thing. There's parents who don't stop and take the time to talk. And then when the parents do stop and take the time to talk, the kids answer their questions with either fine, nothing, or I don't know. Right? Is that, hey, how was today? Fine. What'd you do today? Nothing. Yeah. Uh, and, And it's, listen, if it's still possible, if it's still possible, start young. Be available. Pray like crazy. Uh, look what else the king values in his kingdom when it comes to moms. She overcame all the barriers that were put before her. 
I want to make sure you catch this because we may miss these reading it from our side of the story. They're sprinkled throughout the text. In verse 21, it says that Jesus withdrew. So he's trying to get away. In Mark chapter 7, verse 24, he says he went into this house. So when Mark tells the story, he has this detail. He actually went in it because he didn't want anyone to know he was even there. I mean, he's playing hide and seek with everybody and he doesn't want them to find him. But somehow this woman who had evidently heard of Jesus, knew what he was capable of, came looking for him. But when she cried out, Jesus didn't say anything. And I wonder how many parents have stopped right there. You have prayed to God about something. The answer wasn't forthright. And so you gave up immediately. And God's just, you just need to give him time when we pray and God seems silent. We give up, but not this woman. She kept after Jesus so much that the disciples went to him and said, get rid of her, right? And in verse 24, Jesus' statement, I'm here for the Jews. You're not a Jew. But besides that, what we see very obviously, consider this. Matthew tells us she's a Canaanite. And history tells us that the Canaanites and the Israelites were enemies of each other. Socially, a woman could not enter a room filled with men. Actually, she wasn't supposed to speak to a man in public, let alone challenge a respected teacher. Culturally, she was a Greek. Greeks didn't speak with Jews. There were religious barriers, racial barriers. Some would suggest a language barrier because Jesus spoke Aramaic and she would have spoken Greek. But this wasn't for her. It was for her daughters, her daughter. All of these barriers were not going to stop her. She didn't care what anyone else thought. And I just want to say our kids are facing obstacles uh, every day of their lives. And some are about sin and others they're not. They're just things going on in our culture, like how they talk, how they wear their hair. If they're going to get something pierced, what should they get pierced? Where should it be pierced? You know, how they treat you. Those aren't sin issues. They're just obstacles sometimes. And we need moms like this one. We need, we need dads like that. Matter of fact, every one of us who is a Christ follower should behave this way because Paul told us in Ephesians chapter 4 that we ought to be humble and gentle and patient and bear with one another, right? That's how we reflect Jesus. This woman knew Jesus had the ability to heal her daughter. You know that about Jesus, right? With your kids, you know he has the ability to change their life, right? They may not be suffering from demon possession, Maybe. Uh, Is it worth it to fight through the barriers? See, you still believe Jesus has the power to change their life and yours. I mean, to help them say yes to what they need to say yes to and no to the things they ought to say no to, no matter what they are. Because here's the last one, and it's important. It wasn't just that she overcame barriers. She overcame those barriers because she knew she needed to get her kid to Jesus. She knew how important that was. Not just the idea of Jesus, not just stories about Jesus, not VBS or Bible school alone, just that, but actually to him. And moms, if you've never done that, if you've, listen, if you've never given yourself to Jesus, can I tell you, you can't take your children someplace you've never been. You can't tell them how to get there. You've got to go so they can watch how this happens. 
So if you don't know how to talk to your children about this, maybe you have experienced this, but you don't know how to talk to them about that. Here's what we say here when we talk about this. We talk about how we were created to have a relationship with God. From the very beginning, it's always supposed to have been this way. When you read back in Genesis chapter 1, Adam and Eve had this relationship with God. They walked in the cool of the day in the garden with God, and they talked to him. And that's how we are created. That was, that's part of our DNA. But something happened. That created a barrier. It's called sin. Sin entered into the garden, created a barrier between Adam and Eve and God. But my problem with God isn't that Adam and Eve sinned. Your problem with God isn't that Adam and Eve sinned. My problem with God is that I sin. Your problem with God is that you sin. And we struggle with this. And we know, listen, we know there's something up with that that we need to fix. And so we try to do something about that. So we come to church on Mother's Day, right? And because we're trying to do good things. And we, you know, we'll buy something from the bake sale outside because we want to support a mission and we get a cookie. And so that's all good and that's helpful. And we keep trying to do these good things, not cuss, read our Bible, sing some songs, you know, whatever you need to try to be good enough to get back to God. The problem is we fall short every time. And we know, we know inherently that this is a problem that if we don't fix it in our lifetime, it goes on into eternity. Eternity, and there is a place that is created for uh, folks who do not fix this problem here. It wasn't created for us, but it exists. And if we never choose to be with God in this lifetime, he won't make us be with him in, in eternity. And so hell is the absence of God. It's the absence of his love. If you can imagine the absence of his grace and his care for you. And so we know we need to get this fixed, but we also know we keep coming up short. We can't do something about it. The good news is that 2,000 years ago, Jesus, sent, Jesus was sent by God to die on a cross for our sins. Not his, but ours. And it creates a bridge that we can just walk right across. Your kids can walk right across this thing. And here's what you need to make sure they understand. Everyone's been on this side before. You've been on this side, but you've made some decisions to get to this side. And the Bible says it's just three steps across that bridge if you want to get to him. And the first one is you have to believe. That's John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Do you, do you understand this story? Do you believe that Jesus is actually God's son? The second one is that you need to repent. And repent just means that you own it. And you say, God, this isn't your fault, it's my fault. It's not something you did, it's something I did. And I, 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 I just want to say, I'm sorry. Because when we do that, when we own it, the Bible tells us our sins will be what? Wiped out. And they're exploded out of the scene. The third thing that we need to do is be baptized. Peter said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of eternal life. Listen, if, if you've been here, you've seen people make this decision. And I believe we've got someone in our baptistry right now. Uh, Trisha has come this morning to give her life to Jesus. So check the screens out. I'm out here with uh, Trisha who called me on Monday and said, I, I want to be baptized. And I was like, <laughs> That's awesome. Tell me a little bit about why. And she said that she'd been coming for the past couple of weeks and 
she felt like God was just calling her to do this, that it was unavoidable, that this was something that um, she, she needed to do to confess that Jesus was her Lord and her Savior. Um, and more importantly, she wanted to do it not just for herself, but so that her kids could see that this was an important thing and that this was something that they could look up to her about as she trusted that Jesus has a life for her beyond her past and he has a better future for her. Uh, and so she's come today just to, to declare that she's going to follow Jesus for the rest of her life and trust that he has a life for her. And so, uh, Tricia, because of that, I'll have you repeat after me. I believe, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the, Christ the, Son of the, living God, the Son of the living God, and I accept him, and I accept him as my Lord, and Savior. And Savior. Trisha, because of that confession, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the promise of eternal life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That is incredible. Here's the deal. Did you hear why she made the decision? Number one, because she wants this relationship with God. She wants her children to see it. Listen, we, we need to make these decisions because our children or the children that are around us are watching us. And what they want to know is, is this real? Seriously, is this real? Or are you real? Or is this just a place you come once a week, sing some songs and go home? Does it really change the way you live your life? It's been said, it's on your notes. Our children are a living message that we send to a time that we will never see. Let's make sure the message we send through our children is how much Jesus loves them and wants them to be part of his kingdom. And so today, as we move forward, we'd love for you to be involved in the lives of children, your children in your homes that you would be the person that shows them what it means, not always to get it right, not to be perfect, not to be sinless. We're not talking about any of those things. Just someone who loves Jesus and is doing your best to follow him. And when you blow up, when you fall down, you get back up and you keep following. You ask him for forgiveness and you move on. So can you, we need to be those kind of people in the life of our children. We need to be those kind of people in the lives of other people's children. They may not be seeing it at home. And so I also want to give you an opportunity. Listen, it, one of the great things here at MCC is that our nursery keeps filling up and, uh, and then our preschool and our elementary rooms, they just keep exploding. And so we could use some help in there as well. And so if you've come this morning, and you think, well, I love kids and I love God, man, that would be kind of fun to do that. By the way, if you think I really don't like kids, but if they need help, I'll help. Please don't bother. We really don't want you with our children. All right. <laughs> We love you, but we love them way more. Uh, so, uh, but if you love kids and you love God and you say, I, can, I would love to help with that. That'd be great. Man, we'd love to have you in there loving on our children, helping them see Jesus. So that's an opportunity. Also today, if, you, if you've come today and you're a mom, we have a flower for you. It's out in the, uh, it's out in the lobby at a table. So I hope you'll just over in that corner. Uh, so as you go out, you're going to run right into the bake sale. Uh, go to that table and then go right, uh, and, and you'll, there'll be a flower there for you. And our compassion room, uh, which will be open after services. If you've come today, and, and that would be helpful to you, and we would love, love, love to help you. So here's what we're going to do. Why don't we stand together? We're going to be dismissed from this room. Our call, our call as people of God who are looking to the king and his kingdom 
And our part of that is to make a difference in the lives of the children around us. And if you have a mom, man, give her a hug today. Not all of us can do that. Make sure you give her a hug today. All right. Why don't, uh, why don't we go to God? Father, thank you for the kids that you've put in our lives. They just show us so much of what your kingdom will be like, full of laughter and energy and, and raucous singing and disbelief of some of the things they read in the Bible. There's just no way. How could God do that? And God, we just love their innocence and in all of that. May we be the kind of people that makes it easier for them to believe because of the way we live our lives. Not just the children in our homes, although certainly that, but the children that are around us and the children that are in our classrooms here. And Father, for those who work with them and those who aren't yet but are going to be working with them, uh, God, we pray for your blessing through them into the lives of our children. And for our moms here today, God, thank you for them. And, and, uh, and God, we think we've got a team that leaves Wednesday for Brazil who get a chance to make a difference in the life of Jesus. Uh, and they're from here. And they're going to be going a long way away and jumping on a boat, going down the river, and meeting people they would never meet on this side of heaven if it weren't for uh, our common love of you. So, God, we pray for their trip and your blessing on their lives as they serve other people in your name. God, use us that way here at home. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.